goal of our lives. How many of you, that's the goal of your life? Oh, you can do better than that. If you want God to be lifted in your life, lifted higher, give him a little bit more praise than that. Just a teeny tiny bit more praise than that. Yeah, yeah, amen, amen, amen. He is our Lord and our God and our Savior, and we are honored to be able to see him lifted higher. Um, he loves and he's attracted to his own name. Um, he's attracted. The Holy Ghost really isn't concerned about our name. It's interesting that uh, when Jesus was, one of the last things that Jesus taught his disciples in the, what is called the upper room discourse, is that um, he will come and do stuff for you based on me. Um, I, I, I like that. The fact that um, the Holy Spirit is aromatically attracted to Jesus. Uh, to break that down just a little bit, when he smells the aroma of the Son of God being lifted up, he can't help but, but, but show the manifest presence of God through helping us to live more effectively for Jesus Christ, our affections to be more effectually deepened. As a matter of fact, he's the actual one that stirs us up so that we can want Jesus, that we can love Jesus, and that the, the fragrance of Christ that pleased the wrath of God and brought us from spiritual death to spiritual life um, is, 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 is a part of our life. And so that's what our lives are about, is about lifting the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at somebody next to you and say, self, down, Jesus, up. Now don't talk to the other person. You're really talking to yourself just looking at them. But since they're not feeling you, look at the other person on the other side of you. Say, self, down, Jesus, up. Uh, 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 uh. Let's give God one last hand praise before we dive in. Amen. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Well, um, I'm, I'm excited about all that the Lord has going on. I want you to remember, based on um, our vision time, where we talked about um, in our vision time here a few weeks ago, we had Vision Sunday, and we were walking through and we were talking about the fact that um, we're in a season of build up in this season. Although we're planting churches and we're excited about what God is doing, very, very excited about what God is doing across the country and even in the world with the churches that we're helping plant. Uh, we're helping plant 13 churches this year, and, um, which is exciting. Amen. Um, actually, 14. I'm sorry. One off. And um, uh, Epiphany Brooklyn, um, they, they launch next month, and so keep them li lifted in prayer. Keep them lifted in prayer. Um, they, are, um, they are looking for space. It's extremely hard and expensive in Brooklyn uh, to find space, so keep them lifted as uh, they're moving forward. Um, they, they have already there like 80, 90 people that are coming. Whenever they do an outreach, another group of people just come on in, and so they're just growing, and they've outgrown the space that they're in. They baptized four people last weekend, which we're thankful to the Lord for. And so we want to uh, keep them lifted up. Uh, Epiphany LA is on the grind really, really hard, doing some powerful, powerful work with very, very marginalized, very marginalized people, drug addicts. Um, they, uh, uh, um, uh, they're in a neighborhood where one of the most notorious gangs 
in L.A. lie. And so he's, um, Pastor Tommy and, and Epiphany L.A. are engaging uh, them, and people are getting saved. Um, and they, but, but they need very, very practical help. Um, very, very practical help, uh, which, 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 which um, those is kind of like David. It said, everyone who was uh, in debt, discontented, and depressed connected themselves to David and made him their Lord. And so what they're dealing with is they're dealing with the hard work of planting in an area where there's some toughness there. And so we want to keep them lifted up. Uh, Epiphany Germantown uh, is, well, rather Restoration Church is doing really, really well. So keep them lifted in the 11 churches in Malawi, Africa. Keep them lifted. Now that we're in those, in those, in those, in this season uh, right now of, uh, of planting them, if you don't, I, I just want to keep the vision before you of once we uh, send out these next three churches. So we got Recap Gray, we got uh, 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 Charlie uh, Mitchell and Derek Parks and their spouses, and you know, church to Baltimore, Wilmington, Delaware, and Southwest Philly. Um, we want, want you, that's gonna be planting next year. And so, um, so epiphanies or churches will be in those sectors. And once those, 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 um, those families get planted in those places, we are gonna take an 18 to 24 month sort of shut down from sending out churches from Epiphany Fellowship. Are you still tracking with me? And what we're going to do is we're going to build our infrastructure more deeply in this season of growth. Um, it's a little thin in here than usual, but usually it's packed in this gathering and the next gathering. You know we're preparing for another gathering. We're preparing to beautify the building. We're preparing to uh, deepen our city investment outreach with economic development, bandwidth program, um, and then discipleship mechanisms. And so I want to keep that before you. Um, uh, uh, really, it's funny. It's kind of weird calling something a vision because it's just the Bible, uh, just mission and discipleship. That's really all it is. Ain't, we're trying to make it like it's something new. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's 2,000-year-old stuff that we just have to interpret and engage for our particular context. And so we want to make sure that we're faithful to that and that you're plugging into that. And we're excited now that we have almost 70 people in our new membership class. We're really, really excited about that. And so we want to we wanna serve them well. We want to create better ways to, and how to connect, how to engage, and not just connect to pull off of the ministry, but to be able to pour into the ministry as well. Somebody should have said amen real loud right there. Amen. And so we want to we want we want to serve the church well, but we want you to serve your local church well as we deepen our commitment and love for the Lord God and his work through us. Well, let's stand to our feet. We're still in our series going through Second Corinthians, Second <coughs> Corinthians, chapter four, uh, verses seven through eleven, seven through eleven. Uh, let's go on, and I'm going to let you guys go on on your own today. I'm not going to start with you. You just go on and read on through it on three. One, two, three, go. Keep going. So that, oh, y'all got it? Okay, I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. 
Um, I, I, this, in this installment of our series on Keeping It 100, we're going to talk about today 100% brokenness. 100% brokenness. Let's go before I came. Father, um, you are our master and you are our Lord, you are our king, and you're the one who gets to call the shots in our life. And the way you call the shots in our life many times doesn't line up with our personal preferences. And, uh, but what's beautiful about that is, is that's why we needed you in the first place. Because the way we would choose for our lives to be, usually, God, is left field of your heart. And so, God, as you show us today uh, how you work most in our lives and what you're up to and what's the product of that work, will you help our hearts and minds to be nurtured, to be shaped, by the gospel of Christ, and that we would see Jesus more clearly and reflect him more potently so that others may be engaged with him in this process of you redeeming all things before you come, uh, as you push towards your glorious coming. Let the words in my mouth, let the meditations of my heart, O oh God, be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. One hundred percent brokenness. Um, I uh, like my I like the fact that our God is a eternal trinity. And I like the fact also that on earth we can have a technical trinity. That technical trinity is the MacBook, the iPhone and the iPad. Um, it's sort of the technical trinity, and, 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 and it's set up, if you will, to be able to be synced up. Once you have a new device, it, it just syncs everything up, and the manufacturer makes sure that the product is user-friendly. Somebody say user-friendly. There's, there's nothing worse than buying something, and to get started with it, it's extremely difficult because you almost feel like you have to get a degree before you can connect with it. And so I like the fact that Apple makes uh, these products user-friendly. Uh, uh, um, um, in the same way Apple made its product to be user-friendly is what God made us to be. God made us to be user-friendly, but because of the fall, we're hard to use. We're, we're very, very difficult to be used in the handiwork of our God because of our mess. But when you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, you move back to user-friendly status. However, you're practically not usable. And so what God has to do is he has to do things in your life to continue to take away the complexities of your mess and my mess in order that we may be properly maximized and used for his honor and glory um, and praise. And so we come to this text, we come to a text where Paul talks about the user-friendliness of his life. I mean, really, it's, he's, he's, it's kind of funny throughout this book as he's being honest and he's keeping it real. Now, when we talk about keeping it real at Epiphany Fellowship, uh, or when Christians, not at Epiphany Fellowship, but when Christians talk about keeping it real, keeping it real isn't to keep it real so that you won't walk in holiness, because sometimes being real or I'm just being where I am, I'm just keeping it 100, we usually mean that I'm going to just show my mess unredemptively without a passion for change. 
But when you keep it biblically real, you show your mess or your mess is exposed so that they can be changed on your life. And so we come to this text where Paul is keeping it way 100, um, way real with his life and the difficulties and challenges of his life. You'll see in chapter 11, well, he'll call some of the fly people that the Corinthians like, they'll, he'll call them super apostles. You know, he said, I ain't like them. He said, I don't have a fly gear. I don't have a fly clothes. I don't have a fly crib and all of that. They got, but let me tell you what qualifies me to be used by the Lord. Brokenness. Uh, brokenness. Brokenness. Brokenness is what... Uh, um, 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 God uses as a means that's a consistent state in your life, in my life, which is a disposition by which God can use. The psalm says, God is near, listen, to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. I like that passage because it points euphemistically. We can look at in comparison to this passage because we see Psalm 34 and Psalm 51 Talking about brokenness, God's desire to be near people like that. What in the world does it mean to be broken? I'm glad you asked. <coughs> brokenness, brokenness in the scriptures means shattered, crushed, maimed, devoid of arrogance, wounded, contrite, injured, smashed, grieved, anxious, distressed, crippled, wrecked, demolished, fractured, handicapped, and disabled. Nobody wants to be in that state. That's why y'all looking at me right now. Brokenness is the spiritual state by which one is disarmed of one's self-dependence and pride. Therefore, leaving us disabled, yet enabled. It's a paradox. And in desperate need of help. See, sometimes God puts you in something to draw out desperation in you. So Paul points to this desperation in this passage, uh, which brings me uh, to my first point. If you're going to be 100% broken, one of the first things you must know is that God puts power in the vessel. <laughs> he puts power in the vessel. Look at what it says. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, some translations say earthen vessels, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Now, now, now this, is, this is bananas. Now, you, you, you understand this. We can spend the rest of our time just on that. That, that God would put a treasure in jars of clay. Now, I know that you guys are looking like, what, is, what does this have to do with anything? We have to understand that jars of clay were the lowest level vessels in their day. See, they had gold vessels back in their day. They had silver vessels. They had bronze vessels. Those were the fly vessels. And so if a thief came into somebody's crib and they went in there and they saw those vessels, they think that something's in it because the vessel is valuable. And, so, and so, so in other words, people say, nice vessel, nice treasure. God reverses that. <laughs> so you got to understand, clay vessels <clears throat> are vessels that were used for refuse. That was their toilet. So if a thief came into a house and saw a clay jar, they wouldn't think valuable things in it. Matter of fact, they would stay far away from it because if they stuck their hand in it, they don't know what in the world they come out with. 
But the way God works is God, listen, God likes to put valuable things in messy places. Y'all, y'all not going to talk back to me this morning. Y'all, y'all not going to talk. In, 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 other, in, other, in other words, when, when, when he says, we, we have this treasure in jars of clay, messy ve- Do you know you are a messy vessel? You, you better not allow yourself to base your identity on the vesselness of your beauty. You got to put your value, your value is based on the treasure that's inside of you. Now, the question is, what's the treasure? <clears throat> that, that, the, that's the question. We've been talking about the treasure all the way through chapter three. <coughs> what's the treasure? The gospel. The gospel is the treasure. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as the deposit and the work of the Spirit. Remember the ministry of the Spirit. that's produced by the Spirit, and the ministry of righteousness is already inside of you. Now, you have to recognize that this is the way things work. God doesn't work on your life from the outside in, ever. He always works on you from the inside out. So the struggles you go through are not around you, they're actually in you. (laughs) Because the greatest struggle is not what's around you, it's your reaction to what it does inside of you. And so in order for God to get the best out of you, it's not getting the best you out of you. Help me today. God ain't about the best you. He's about the best him in you. And so God's work, in other words, God sets it up that the vessel isn't as fly as his glory. In, in other words, God likes there to be a gap between what people think about you and what he thinks about you. See, see, that's the might of the gospel. The might of the gospel is to blow people's minds that something like that would be in you. And, and your life's mission it's for God to get the image inside of you, out of you. Okay, y'all don't understand what I'm saying. Let me see if I can make it plain. Let me see if I can make it plain. This is your life mission. I, I remember a few years ago, we had a sculptor went here, and, 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 and he, was, he was just a beast sculptor. He's a, he, he's a teacher. He's a, he, taught, he teaches at a school, too, and, but he's an amazing sculptor. <clears throat> and I said, bro, I said, talk to me about, like, how, how do you, like, grab a rock? I mean, I just don't even understand it and chisel an image. He said, Pastor, that's, that's not the way I think about it. I said, what you mean? He said, well, Pastor, to you, you see a rock. To me, I see an image inside of the rock. I'm just trying to get the stuff on top of the rock off of it so that the image that's already in it can be seen. Y'all not going to talk back to me this morning. And what, what, what God is doing in your life through the challenges that you go through, the chiseling and the, and the cleansing and the pruning and the challenges and the brokenness and the hurt and the depression and the shame, what he's trying to do is he's trying to pull all the stuff off of you so that the Christ that's in you can be seen. Yeah. See, many times in our life, we can misinterpret pain. And see, God, see, I don't know about you, but this gospel of God doesn't have suffering for you and challenge for you 
is a non-Christian idea. If you would have told the early church some, some mess like that, they'd have been in trouble. Some of y'all are still looking at me because you don't think you need to be broken. Many of you understand the sound of my voice. I'm all right. You know, I'm good. Jesus is shining. <laughs> but guess what you just told me? You need to be broken. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me tell you the type of people that need to be broken. Now, I know they're not in here, but just take some notes so you can tell them when you see them. Um, <clears throat> number one, you're hyper-independent. If you're hyper-independent, God, God's, he, he, he's laughing at you on the throne. Like he's giggling about your life. And the, tri- the triune Godhead is like, look at them. They tripping. They think they can live without us. We saved them and carrying on. Now they off in life. We got some scheduling ministry for them. <laughs> if you're an independent person that think you can just do your own thing, you know, you know, you know how we doing this called I'ma do. Oh. <laughs> so you already know it, don't you? <laughs> and when you do you, God is gonna do you. Matter of fact, he's going to do something to you. Because the manufacturer never wants what he created to think it can function without him. I'm just telling you right now, if you're hyper-independent, you don't want nobody, you don't need nobody. I don't need the church. I don't need family. I don't need community. I don't need, I don't need a man. I don't need a woman. I don't need a, And you got a I don't need nothing mentality. That's re- See, in our culture, that's an empowerment communication. In, in, in the scripture, it's an unplugging communication. Because you, you can't unplug from what gives you life. Oh, I got to move. But you're over-dependent on others. The reverse. So you can be independent, but then over-dependent. And when you need anyone else or anything else more than you need God, God's going to break you by starving you of the very thing that you try to plug into that's not him. <laughs> that, that's how it works. That's, that's how it works. Um, oh, man, I got to go prayerlessness. You just get on with your day. You don't pray. Another one, uh, dry eyes. You don't cry anymore. You know, when, when nothing can get to you, you need to be broken. Secrecy, nobody knows you. It's hard to get, you ever met a person you can't get in to know them? They, nobody knows, you know, I've been thinking the same. Like, nobody knows you, I gotta keep going. Uh, unteachable. You know everything. When somebody's trying to teach you that, oh, we see, I already researched that, and, and you just got something to say every time. Brokenness. Huh. Oh, man, I could keep going. I'm going to just keep going in the scriptures. Uh, somebody says, it's, it's so many of them. Uh, so that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Next point. God puts power in the vessel first, but then he puts pressure on the vessel. Whenever uh, they, in their day, uh, wanted to get quickly to the treasure in that messed up vessel, like a piggy bank, they would smash it. God puts pressure on you through life circumstances to smash you. This is what Paul begins to say. Paul says, afflicted in every way, but not crushed. 
Now, all of the verbs in this section are interesting. <coughs> They're present passive participle verbs. Why, do I, why am I saying that? I'm not trying to be fly. I'm trying to explain something. <laughs> present means it's a present reality. Uh, 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 passive means it happens to you, not by you. And then participle points to the fact that it's a description of your life. So, 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 so that means that a Christian's life is described by affliction but not being crushed. Now, 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 now that, that, that's your life. Now, now, I know that's not building your self-worth, is it? Because, it's, because, because God is not about building self-worth. He's about showing you his worth. Oh, anyway, that was free. Anyway, afflicted in every way. Afflicted means to be surrounded by crowds. It points to everything happening to you at the same time in every area of your life. You ever, point, you ever had a point in your life where everything seemed to have gone wrong? I, I, one, of, one of my favorite, um, uh, favorite movie series is, um, is, is Riddick, the Riddick series, you know, Pitch Black and Riddick and all of that. And he had a hard day this one day. Well, this whole planet just messed up, coming after him, animals and everything. And he said, there are bad days, and then there are legendary bad days. <laughs> it's a great statement. It's a great, great. You ever had a legendary, like, like you had bad days, but this was like, this was like a legend. This is one for the books. I mean, um, the, the, I mean, everything happened that day, and it's so bad you can't cry, you just laugh. You're just like, God, really? You know? Right? But God sometimes allows things to all go wrong. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's not the devil. See, God, when he sends a trial in your life, it's unrebukable. <laughs> and it won't stop until he says stop. And I'll tell you when in a minute. But he says, afflicted in every way, but not crushed. In other words, we're not smashed apart, but we, we do have a lot hitting me right now. We got a lot happening to us right now. God, it's a little frustrating right now. This is crazy. Everything going on in my life right now, all of that is tools of brokenness. Next, he says, perplexed, but not despairing. Or, uh, uh, perplexed, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Perplexed, but not to the point of despair. Perplexity is interesting. <clears throat> Perplexity <clears throat> is something happening to you, and you lose hope. You don't lose hope, but you're just like, God, really? This is like crazy. This is, why is this happening to me? Which is a normal reaction. Despairing is the loss of hope, though. In other words, when you lose hope, you can't grow. That's why you can't let what you go through make you lose hope. That's why the Bible says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work in you. And if anyone lacks wisdom, there it is, let them ask. So when you talk about this idea of perplexity, perplexity is, God, I don't know why this is happening, but when you ask for wisdom, if you count it all joy by not losing hope, you ask for wisdom. Wisdom is perspective in the midst of perplexity. So God won't tell you why, he'll tell you what. He, he doesn't tell you, in, in, in other words, and, and the deliverance isn't being delivered. 
Deliverance is getting perspective. Okay, come here, David. David says in Psalm 4.1, you hear me when I call, O God, for thou hast delivered me into my distress. Don't miss the preposition. So God, you didn't take David out of his trial for him to feel delivered. See, see, too many preachers preach you deliverance. That is removal from hurtful circumstances. I'm not saying don't pray for, for people to get healed. I'm not saying that. I, I believe God heals, does all of that. However, however, sometimes deliverance is still knowing that God is good. Mm. De- deliverance may be just holding on, just a little, little, little longer. Deliverance may look like you're not committing suicide even though God didn't take you out. Deliverance may look like not losing your mind in the midst of it. Deliverance may just be God's peace in the midst of chaos. May just be that. It may just be that. It may, it may just be, it may just, that, that's, but, but you don't realize that's enough. And, 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 and the beauty of it is you can be worked on at that point. You can't be worked on if you're trying to work on yourself. Ah, wish I had time for that. But, 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 but perplexity and despair, it's, it's nuts to me um, that God paradoxically will allow the mess of life to be the means by which he works on and develops us. Um, I, I, I used to watch those shows where they used to work on cars and it was just crazy. I, one of my favorite ones was Pimp My Ride. I used to like that joint, man. That's, see, this good TV show right there, man. They got all these reality shows. Man, get that back on, man. That joint was hot. You know what I'm saying? I like that. Man, and then, uh, Exhibit would show up at your crib. You understand what I mean? Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It's all good. And he'd show up at your crib, and your, your car would be a plum messology. I mean, mess. Uh, But Exhibit would come, and he would come taking your car to a place where it would be stripped. Help me today. And he would strip all of the mess out of it, all of the gunk out of it. But it's interesting that he always worked on the inside of the car before he worked on the outside of the car. See, if you look at the car in the midst of the stripping, you'd get depressed. Some of y'all are looking at your life in the midst of God pulling some stuff out of it, tearing some stuff out of it. But you gotta wait till he finishes. See, 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 perplexity says, God, it's painful, but I see what you're up to. God is hurting, but I know it's gonna be better. God, weeping may endure for a night, but joy. Oh, God, help us today, is that don't let the process mess up what God is trying to develop in you. I got to move. He says, struck down. He says, and that's persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. <laughs> in other words, in other words, all of these things happening to you. Now, this is the persecution is the Satan part. Can you imagine going through the God working on your part, then the Satan part, but God utilizing Satan as a means, and Satan thinks he's trying to destroy you, but God is using Satan as a foolish 
imbecile as a means for your spiritual growth. See, Satan's desire is to get you to commit apostasy. Satan's desire is to get you to deny God, not see the goodness of God. But because you're renewed by the gospel, based on verses 2 and 3, it says you can see now. So the unbeliever should be veiled to the work of the gospel, not the person that knows Christ. So therefore, you have the visual cortex based on the renewing power of the Spirit to see that God is up to something. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me just give you real quick some things that God likes to break. Uh, I, I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to give you a couple things. I got a lot here, and then I'm going to get out your way. I got a few more minutes. God, number one, loves to break up your plans. That, that's, that's like his favorite thing to do. Now, we're supposed to plan, though, because God doesn't plan for you, even though he has plans for you. What's, that's another sermon. <laughs> So, 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 so you, you have to plan. So that's like, dang, I thought I was working. I'm going to do no budget now. No, don't do that. Because <laughs> you know some of us, we'll just take <laughs> the whole thing. So have plans. But God likes to break them up because the Bible says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Ah, help me today. Ain't it good to know you got a divine editor? that you can lay your plans before. Well, what's interesting to me, what's interesting to me, what's interesting to me, when I was in college and I had my first year of college and everything like that, I, I had my little, my little first year of college and was excited about my little first year of college. And, 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 and I was excited. I got in the English class. You know, we wrote this paper. I knew I murdered it. I knew I murked it. I was like, here, <laughs> bow, here you go. Take, take that, teacher. <laughs> take that. You know, went back to my seat, crossed my legs, looked around, and did like that. You know what I'm saying? But then the next class period, <laughs> oh my God, I got the paper back, and I couldn't see what I wrote. Man, that paper was bleeding like a mug, man. I got my little paper back, and I'm like, depressed, <laughs> trying to find an exit door. How you do, E? Oh, you know how it goes. And <laughs> look at your own paper, dog. Don't look at my stuff. You don't know me like that. And so, <laughs> and the teacher saw my depression. She saw my depression, and she said, Eric, I say, I didn't even look at her. I, I said, I said, yes, ma'am. She says, I want you to do something for me. Just correct where you see red. Give it back to me, and I'll give you full credit. When you lay your plans before God, the divine editor edits with the blood of Christ. And all he's asking you to do is hand it back to him when you've allowed the blood to be applied to your plans. Y'all not going to talk back to me today. I'm glad that God is merciful in that way. He loves to break. Don't get mad when you see God's edits on your life. Don't get frustrated when you see God working on your life. Because all you got to look at is where is the blood? Mm, help me, God. Help me today. Ah, 
We'll talk about how he breaks up unhealthy relationships. I only got three minutes for that, but he loves to do that. Ah, let me just go to this one. There's a whole bunch of them. God loves to break up your will. That's the one. That's the one. That'll cover all of it. <laughs> he loves to break up. I'm just giving you some practical stuff. He loves to break up your will. <clears throat> when, when, when some of us are stubbornly determined, and God says, I'm going to break it. Now, how does he do it? Ask Jonah. The Bible says that Jonah, <clears throat> God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. He went down away from the presence of the Lord, and then he went and chartered a boat, paid everybody's fare. In the Hebrew, that's what one of my professors said, he paid everybody's fare. I was like, dang, he really wanted to be away from God. <laughs> chartered, like, a, just think about that. Paid for the whole thing to go away from God's presence. So he banked his resources and his will on the boat's ability to get him away from God's presence. God in heaven is sitting on his throne watching Jonah. Like, he's like, he's like this guy's like moving around like I'm not everywhere. Like, I already know where he's going. I know what it's going to take to get there. I even know how many waves there is between where he is and where he's going. And he literally thinks he can run from us. So God the Father stands up off his throne and, uh, and he, he, he puts on his hat and he puts it backwards. And he puts on his, his glove on his hand. And the text says, and God blew literally a storm into his hand. And God looked and the angels were chanting, go, 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 go. And then God looks back. He spits over here and spits over there. He looks back and goes, whoosh. The Bible said God hurled a storm at the ship. The Bible says that the storm was so tumultuous that the ship began to break. The very thing that you put your will on, God anoints a specific storm for to break it apart because he's breaking it so that he can break you. That's what he does. That's his work. That's how he does things. Like, he's up to that. But the question on the floor, somebody may be asking, is why would God put me through all of this? Last point, not much away. God promotes Jesus through the vessel. When you get broken, it opens up the spaces in your life to show the treasure that's in the vessel. That, that's, that's what brokenness is for. Where you are broken is where God wants to show Jesus. <laughs> where, ex exactly where he's hurting you is where he wants to show the son. Look at the text. Look at what the text says. We're still in the book. Look at what it says. Always. Now, everything was passive happening to you. This is the active, present, active participle component by which we actively, in the present, identify our lives as this. Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus. Wow. That means you're always carrying around brokenness. You're always carrying around a disposition to show Jesus Christ off. That's a very, 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 very important thing that our lives need to begin to see. Is we need to see that God's brokenness that he does in our life has a purpose. Um, last but not least, two things. Last but not least. It reminds me of a friend of mine who, uh, 
was like ran a 4-2, just crazy speed. Dude was a monster. I mean, uh, they had those curve, uh, uh, what you call them? Uh, yeah, 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 they had those. Yeah, yeah, Pastor Larry, the Jones. Um, Jones, just whatever it is. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, and and he, he, he could run really, really fast. I mean, 4-2 was nuts. One day in practice, uh, one of the defensive players on his team hit him in a real bad way. Broke his leg. Vicious break. Clean break. Shatter. And he's so angry that his leg got broke that he didn't feel the pain of it. He's like mad. He's like mad. And he's like angry, angry, angry. He gets to the doctor and the doctor works on him, puts the cast on, and they tell him he'll be out for the season. He's angry. And he asked the doctor, he said, doctor, he said, I already know what you're going to ask. Will I ever be able to play again? He said, what's interesting that you asked that question. He said, because the way your leg got broken is when something gets broken and it heals right, the place where it's broken is stronger after the breakage than before the breakage. Do you know that your God is allowing you to hurt so badly, to be frustrated so mightily, because he's trying to make you stronger in the very place where he pains you, in the very place where he wounds you, in the very place where he prunes you, in the very place that he breaks you, in the very place that he challenges you. He's trying to make you better. And lastly, and I promise I'm out your way, lastly, lastly, um, there's a but not in every section of this passage. I like that. That, that means, the but not means that God has a limitation on how bad he'll let it get. Y'all not going to talk back to me. Y'all, y'all not, in, in other words, you're in pain, but it's not as bad as it could be. You may be persecuted, but he says, but not. He, he, he said, he, he, you, you say, I'm, I'm afflicted, but God has a but not for you. Come here, Job. Job, Job, the devil, old Slewfoot came before God and said, uh, gee, God said, have you considered my main man, Job? He said, you could touch everything he has, but not him. Then he comes back and he says, you can touch him, but not kill him. In other words, he gets a ticket to the concert, but not a backstage pass. <laughs> All I want to let you know is you be encouraged today that God is at work. God is going to change you. God is going to build you up. God is going to work it all out for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. You can cry. You can scream. You can shout. But I promise you today that your God has got you. He's got you. He's got you. He's got you. He's got you. It's hard, but he got you. It's painful, but he got you. He's working, but he got you. It's falling apart, but he got you. Uh. Uh. Because of what Christ has done for you, 
there is a limitation on the destructive faculties that this backwater planet can place on you. Father, we thank you and honor you for your word, for the work of your word, to do what only you can do, God. God, I, I pray today that there may be someone here that's going through but don't understand it. And many times, God, it's crazy because if you're not in Christ, suffering does not make sense. It's already tough when you know him. <laughs> but when you do know him, well, don't know him, it's even tougher. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your confidence in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and you've never placed your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd love to pray for you that Christ died on the cross for your sins and was raised on the third day from the grave. That you may be saved if you place confidence, if you trust him by faith.